0: It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And a happy opening night for all former Aggies who have made it to the NFL roster's for the 2020 season, we are hours away from the Kansas City Chiefs playing host to the Houston Texans as the 2020 season will kick off. And with multiple Aggies making their mark in the NFL this year. What are the realistic outcomes for some of these players? Who were the big surprises? Who were some names to keep an eye out for? What's the expectation of Ryan Tannehill? We're going to be breaking all that down here on the show today. Plus, we continue our series with our top 25 Aggies to follow in 25 days as the Texas A&M fighting Aggies prepare for their battle against Vanderbilt on September 26th, later this month. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. Go visit RockAuto.com and type in Locked On on the how'd you hear about section so they know that we sent you. For their amazing, reliably low prices and awesome selections, RockAuto.com is the place to be. As always, before we begin the show, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and we are back to five days a week, so I need your information. What do you want from this show? What more can I do? What more do you like? What do you not like? All that and so much more to get this show going. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M 12th Man related content. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify if you can't do any of that. Listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So again, tonight is the kickoff for the start of the 2020 season in what could only be one of the more trameculous, weird off-seasons that we've ever had in the sporting history. I mean, here we are in September, and we're watching the Eastern Conference Finals get set up and the Western Conference Semifinals in basketball going on when usually you're preparing for the upcoming 2020 NBA season. MLB is in a 60-game You know regular season style of play, where you kind of already know who are going to be the top teams in the division, but you still have to decide which eight are going to the postseason. And college football is pushed back. You know last week was supposed to be the opening weekend, where Texas A&M was going to be taking on the likes of Abilene Christian, and instead now we're waiting an extra two weeks before they will take on Vanderbilt in a ten-game conference-only season, which could either make or break the Aggies' year. But the one consistency that we are having going at least into right now is the NFL season will kick off with their usual 17 week, 16 game schedule, bearing any changes to COVID-19, bearing any news about what is going on. A giant outbreak would have to be the only way we would see it get canceled. And with limited fans in a lot of different arenas, I don't see that happening. So this could be the start of normalcy. For football, for the United States, for the world we live in, and and more importantly, just just for us in general, just to have a basic knowledge of what we can deal deal with, what we can do, how we can function as a society. But for A&M, this is a big night because there will be three players out on the field representing the 12th man when the season kicks off. Uh, of course, you do have Armani Watts, who was a member of the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs roster that did make it and win Super Bowl 54 last year. The safety started four years in Aguiland, was a fourth-round pick by the team in 2018. He's played a lot of nickel defense. He's played a lot in dime formations as that rotating kind of safety. Um, you know, he's 5'11, only limited last year to five game, uh, five games as a rookie because he was put on injured reserve. Last year, he finished with 17 tackles and a sack on the year. He's expected to have his role increase now with Kendall Fuller leaving for Washington. Instead, he will likely be playing that nickel formation, kind of deep, middle-tier, roaming safety kind of role alongside Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew. Now, you also have Ricky Seals-Jones, who... Everyone remembers Ricky Seals as a guy who was supposed to be the next big-time wide receiver, never really panned out. But when he got to the NFL, Bruce Arians and the staff up in Arizona said, you know what, let's go ahead and put him as a tight end and see what he can do. And since he's been successful, you know, he started off as a rookie in 2017 with Arizona. He spent two years with the clubs before being claimed off waivers by the Browns last year. And then this past offseason, he was claimed off of waivers by the Chiefs. Now, he caught 14 passes for 229 yards and a career-high four touchdowns with Cleveland. Um, that followed a second year in Arizona where he finished with 34 receptions, 343 yards, and a touchdown in his rookie year that was followed by three touchdowns, 201 yards off 12 catches. So, again, this is a guy who brings a lot of versatility to an offense in Eric Bieniemy's system that his 6'5 frame will allow him to be effective in the red zone. I think that while Travis Kelsey, who is a four-time 1,000-yard receiving option at the tight end position, that's never happened before in the history of the NFL. Never. You never had a tight end almost lead your team consistently in the 1,000-yard mark. You have a good complement in a guy like Seals Jones. He's not going to bring a lot to the table in, I would say, um, you know, with blocking. I think that, you know, even though his size would would benefit him probably as a blocker, he's more of a receiving option. He's a mismatch in the red zone. And he has the ability, and he's shown the ability, that he can be effective as a scorer for your offense. So this is going to be a really nice game for him. Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see how he pans out this year in a new system. And finally, you got Colin Gillespie. The former 12th man himself finally made it on his way to the active roster last year with the Houston Texans as the team's final pick in the 2019 draft. This was a guy that Jimbo Fisher was very high on. And, and the biggest thing of all is he played a linebacker. And then when Fisher got there, Gillespie moved to fullback. That really only did dividends for his career because of it helped him get drafted by his hometown team. I mean, this is a KD native who's now playing in, in Houston on a daily basis and while he may not be effective on anything other than special teams and the red zone he's a good blocker he is great at leading a charge and he's fast for a special teamer so this is a guy who you can see play on the inside on kickoffs get downfield make tackles against Miko Hardman make tackles against I would say Tyreek Hill on special teams. He can play punt. He can play kickoff return. He can be a good blocker. He's great on the offensive uh, as an, as a six man blocking on the offensive line, especially if you're going to have you know a two. Uh, if instead of doing a two tight end set, you go one one tight end, one running back, and one H back, which would be Gillespie's role. I like what he can do. And he's going to have, I think, a bigger year for the Texans in year two coming out of AM. The former 12th man is going to be a name I think a lot of people in Houston really like because of what he does with that run game. That includes David Johnson, Duke Johnson, both needing big-time years in Houston after the recent trades that we've all seen. Speaking of trades, every once in a while, I got to trade in an auto part to make sure my car is running smoothly, but I sometimes don't really want to go ahead and pay for those service fees or those active fees for a mechanic to do something I can just do at home. That's why I like to use rockauto.com. RockIsle.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have a variety of selections from everything you could want for, from tail lights, to gas lamps, to even steering wheels and tailgates. For me personally, I've used this to change out my oil. It's something very similar, something very simple I like to do. I had the oil shipped right to my house, got underneath the car, did it myself, got in, got out, saved half the price. For me to go into an auto shop just to really pay for that service fee go visit rockauto.com and type in locked on on the how'd you hear about section so they know that we sent you they have an amazingly low prices an awesome variety of selections and everything you could want for your auto part today rockauto.com is the place to be Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports team? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college football teams, plus every team covered in the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and highlight information to get you geared up all throughout your fantasy sports season. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So the NFL season will kick off tonight as the Kansas City Chiefs will play host to the Houston Texans, but instead of just going through all these different roster changes for Texas A&M players who have made their mark at the NFL level... Let's just talk about the players who we think are going to enhance their skills, maybe disappoint a little bit, breakout stars, and names to remember in 2020. Let's start off with the rookie to watch out for. This really came down to two different names, and it ultimately kind of played in favor of the other one because of, you look at the system that the first name is in, and that would be Brayden Mann. Brayden Mann's got to be the rookie to watch out for this year. The Jets picked him up with a six-round pick, and he's impressed in training camp. He's had long, deep punts. He's a guy who has great hang time, has the ability to place the ball downfield, and more importantly, any Aggie fan knows how great of a tackler and willingness he's willing to give up to his body out on the open field. I think he's going to be a great fit for this Jets team. The only reason I didn't mention Justin Matipike is simple. Matipike is behind a ton of talent in Baltimore. This is a year where they have Calais Campbell in the mix. They have Derek Wolfe in the mix. They have Tyus Bowser. They have Jalen Ferguson. They have enough pass rushers, defensive ends, edge defenders, who all could step up and play a significant role to where Matabike kind of is going to get lost in the crowd this year. That doesn't mean that he won't be effective in his own way, but he's definitely not going to have that same impact, I think you will see, from the likes of a guy like Mann. Even though we've seen, you know, punters make their mark. I mean, Michael Dickinson from Texas, now is Seattle, has got to be the biggest name. I think that you could see in a year or so, man, be one of the top punters in the NFL. Which Aggie is poised for a breakout year? This is another easy one. It's got to be Jay Sternberger up in Green Bay. It's not only the fact that Green Bay has limited weapons outside of Devontae Adams, but it's because of what Matt LaFleur likes to run On his offense with his tight ends Sternberger is a perfect fit up in Green Bay this was a guy who only spent one year at Texas A&M but he made the most of it with his touchdown rate uh, with his ability to make catches he led the team in receptions and receiving yards in 2018 last year the biggest reason he wasn't a factor was he was on the IR for most of the 2019 season so His rookie year was kind of plagued with injuries. He wasn't able to really make his impact at all. Instead, when he did get on the field, he actually was pretty effective. He finished in the postseason with three total catches, including a touchdown in the NFC Championship against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, again, that's not saying, okay, let's just build off that one game and see him be effective, you know, the next number two tight end in America behind the likes of Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. But what it does say is there's room for improvement. This is a guy who I think could be a very solid contributor to Green Bay's offense. And more importantly, there's very limited weapons there. For the last couple of seasons, Aaron Jones has been the number two wide receiver behind the likes of Devontae Adams. Jimmy Graham was never able to get his footing and you never really saw anything from Mercedes Lewis. So at the tight end position, this really is Sternberger's to lose. And I do think that with a year under his belt in the system, more importantly, as the prime candidate for a breakout year in Green Bay, because the limited offensive arsenal that they have, they didn't go out and they didn't draft anybody at wide receiver. They only brought in one tight end who's more of an H-back style player. This is a year where even though I don't expect him to be top five tight ends in the NFL, I expect by midseason him to be picked up on waiver wires consistently because he does have good hands, he is a solid route runner, and more importantly, he can be effective in the red zone. That's exactly what the Packers need, that's exactly what Aaron Rodgers needs as a number two weapon, and for him, this could be a big time year for him to prove that he is worth every single second of being selected in the third round. Alright, let's talk Mike Evans real fast, because I've ag- again, this is a big time name, and this, I will give Mike Evans the award for Mr. Consistency this year. I expect him to be the exact same target he was to begin his NFL career, now with a competent quarterback under center. This was a guy who was drafted 7th overall in 2014, a year before Jameis Winston even came into the mix, and all he did was win, win, win. Six straight seasons of 1,000 receiving yards on the year, one of two receivers to do it. Now you have Tom Brady in the fold. The only question I have about him getting to seven is how much are the tight ends going to be targeted? I don't think Chris Godwin, as good as he was last year, and as good as he is as a number two complement receiver, Evans is still the true one. But with Brady coming in at 43 years old, is he just going to rely heavily on the tight ends like he did in New England? And they have three very talented tight ends in O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski, and Cameron Breit. So is Evans going to be limited in his targets because of it? Now, of course, this upcoming week, he could miss the game because of he is dealing with a hamstring injury, and he hasn't been ruled inactive, and he hasn't been ruled active yet. So either way, it could happen. But you did see last year, there was a stretch where he was the most dominant receiver in the NFL. And I expect it to be very similar going into this year because of when you see his production, even with talented targets around him, he still is the top man. So I'm not going to be surprised when he stands alone as the very first receiver to begin his NFL career seven straight years with 1,000 receiving yards. Yep, he would beat Randy Moss. Does that mean he is the GOAT wide receiver? No, but it does mean that he is very undervalued and underrated compared to the top names at the pass catching position all he does is catch balls all he does is make an impact i am very pleased with what i've seen from mike evans thus far and i expect to have another big time year all right let's go ryan Tannehill. Tannehill was the storyline last year i mean this was the comeback player of the year this was a guy who everyone wrote off because of injuries, because of how he handled things in uh, in Adam Gase's offense, how the Dolphins were just willing to part ways with him, lick a split. And then he comes in in week five and he takes the Titans from the worst AFC team. This was a bad AFC team. To a 7-3 finish, 9-7 on the year. They go ahead and they get into the postseason and they make it all the way to the AFC Championship game. He's rewarded with a brand new four-year contract worth over $120 million. And he's now the clear-cut favorite to be the starting quarterback in Tennessee. My only concern with Tannehill, it's not his play style. I think his play style works, especially for what Arthur Smith loves to run. Keep in mind, this is the highest QBR we have seen from a quarterback since 2013. Yeah, 12th man boy. He was the one who was able to set that record. Arthur Smith knows how to work with him. What I worry about is the offensive line. They lost one of their best pass protectors in Jack Conklin to free agency to the Cleveland Browns. They tried to replace him with rookie Isaiah Wilson. Is he going to be able to make an immediate impact the way that a lot of people would? Because right now, I think the window's wide open in the AFC South for any team to claim victory over. I think that when you see... What Houston's doing, you know what? I'm not really worried about Houston. When you look at Jacksonville, I'm definitely not worried about Jacksonville. And there's still holes in Indianapolis despite having a very solid offseason. Can this former Aggie play up to speed last year? Not be a comeback player of the year, but just a competent guy under center. A reliable starter. Because you look at that defense, they're going to get you enough wins. You look at the run game with Derrick Henry, he's going to do a lot of the work. Just be competent under center. If he can do that, I think Tannehill's in a very good spot to continue his career well past when people thought it was over. And of course, who's going to be the Aggies MVP? It's likely going to be someone who's going to be in the running for the actual MVP, and that's Miles Garrett. A lot of people want to talk about Miles Garrett for what happened on the field last year with Mason Rudolph. That is something you have to throw out the window right now. Don't worry about it. It's no longer an issue. It was handled by the team and they're set. This is now a fresh start for Garrett. And off of his brand new extension, big time play extension, that he's earned. Gladly he's earned. Can he live up to the hype? Can he stay on the field consistently for a total of 16 games? Because if so, this might be the league's top pass rusher for the next decade. A lot of people talk about Chandler Jones and what he's been able to do in the desert, I can tell you this much. What we've seen from Garrett thus far in his career is very Chandler Jones-esque. And the consistency is going to be the biggest thing that keeps him in the league. Chandler Jones is the most underrated pass rusher in the NFL because he plays for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, as of now, the Cleveland Browns are going to have Miles Garrett play for them until 2024. So they have a long time with him to build up a very special career. And that's a very special 2017 draft class. So you look at all this, and I see Garrett coming out with a big time year. My prediction for him is to finish second in sacks with 17.5 on the year. I finish I it's predicted to finish first in quarterback hits with 45, second in tackles for losses with 18.5. 55 tackles on the year, one interception, two four, three forced fumbles, three pass deflections. He's going to be a heavy favorite to take home the defense player of the year, and I won't be shocked if he's a heavy favorite to be in the MVP conversation when everything is said and done. As we said on every single podcast this week, and until A&M kicks off against the Commodores, we'll be featuring the top 25 names to watch for in the 2020 season for Texas A&M. We're already through the top 25. Who comes in at number 20? Don't go anywhere. We'll be explaining who in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. So we're back on the top 25 players to watch for for the 2020 season as A&M prepares to take on Vanderbilt here at Kyle Field on September 26th. That game can be featured on SEC Network's alternative channel. Kickoff is at 630. Now again, We've already mentioned who are in the top 25, as in 25 through 21. Naturally, coming in at number 25, I said Haynes King. Number 24, I said the speedster from Fort Ben Marshall, Devon Anche. Then you had, coming in at 23, Brian Cole, the junior college cornerback. 22, Devin Morris, the big slot time corner, who's going to make a big impact as that nickel defender. And number 21 was Baylor Cup. We're not sure when he's going to play, but he is going to be effective when he does play. So who is number 20? I'm gonna go out on a limb. And I'm gonna go another young talent. And the next two are actually gonna be young talents. But yeah, I saved the next one for tomorrow. 20 for me is gonna be Dylan Wright. Dylan Wright is exactly what you want in your replacement for Kendrick Rogers. Six foot four, two fifteen was his weight coming into AM. He's definitely bulked up, I bet, to 220, 222. This was a big time wide receiver prospect. He graded out with a 96 by 247 sports. He was 70th, 70th in the nation overall in the top 100. He was the 11th prospect from Texas and the 12th wide receiver from Texas. I mean, the 12th wide receiver overall. This is a guy who turned down Texas. This is a guy who turned on Alabama, turned down Arizona State, Arkansas. He's a big-time player on the outside. And he's what you want as a split-end target. Good hands, quality footwork pretty standout when it comes to route running, and is a mismatch against smaller receivers. I mean, smaller cornerbacks. He's someone who can get his hands on the ball, and his speed maybe won't immediately make an impact in the open field, but what it will do is it will allow him to win off one-on-one coverage, especially in man, and then break free up the field. You ever watch this tape for Mesquite? All he did was win in man coverage, bully the defender to the ground, and walk it into the end zone. You're not sure what you really have at wide receiver going into this year, especially with Cameron Buckley now missing the year with a torn ACL. Naturally, you're hopeful that Demon Demas can be your true number one receiver in a few years, and at least this year be a contributor, and you have Jamon Osman who's going to be your top target in the slot. But you still need more than just one weapon. And even though Jalen Widemeyer is a standout tight end, you need a wide receiver on the outside. Wright, I think, is going to be given the very first chance because of his background, because of what he's shown, and what he has that's missing from a You have a speedster in Demas. You have your top slot consistency target in a guy like Osbott. You need a large target on the outside that's going to win contested catches and put you in position to continue to pick up first downs. That's where Wright comes into play. And I think Caleb Chapman could be another name, but last year he could have been a name and he really wasn't effective. I think you could see maybe Musa Muhammad III come in and probably make somewhat of an impact. I don't really see that happening right now. So instead, I look at what we can see from this Aggie group. And writes the guy who I think has to step up as that younger but also veteran who's been in the locker room, been in the meetings, been in, you know, been in practice on the scout team, been a player who was redshirted for a reason because they want to make sure they saved his eligibility so they could get the most out of him. All that adds up to me to say, Hey, listen, now it's your time. It's your time to be the top target. And guess what? Your size alone will help you get there. But more importantly, if you can be a predominant target for us, we're going to be in really good shape this year at the passing game. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here on Locked on Podcast Network. Go follow us on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, let's talk about the offensive line. How much better will this offensive line be in 2020 compared to what it was last season in 2019? We'll be breaking down all five players, where they rank, and of course adding another name to our 25 Aggies to follow in 25 days. We'll see you then, and remember, thank of y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.